Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFira. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, his name is Big Al, and he hits dingers. How you doing? Doing good. We will certainly get to Albert Pujols. We'll actually move that to the top of the show. We might as well. Um, We'll get to Albert Pujols in a minute, but got to give a little shout out to my New York Giants today. Getting a little ballsy, going for two against Tennessee. It works out. The new coaching staff is in. Changes among us. And I am so happy with what I saw, at least, you know, some 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 parts of the game for the Giants today. So got to give them their their credit. But we love to see that first first Sunday of NFL season, always one of the best sports days of the year. So you're not going to give any love to your orange. Of course, Syracuse beats UConn yesterday. Huge win. Uh, You know. Cuse was favored by like three touchdowns, though. It was kind of expected. Giants were like six and a half point underdogs today. So for them to go into Tennessee, LJ, I don't know. I know you do support UConn football. And um, I must say there was it it was it was kind of like Syracuse South, if if I if I uh could say the least. I saw some clips and seemed like the orange fans were kind of taken over. Well, generally, let's start with putting respect that where it's due. Syracuse fans travel really well. Fair. Which, Fair. And again, all the respect in the world to you guys, because you guys truly are the only, I think, yeah, I feel comfortable saying you're the only program in the Northeast. I don't consider Penn State Northeast, but. Other I, than like University of Buffalo. Yeah, that's that's not a program program and really no. any but like across the board like that is it's it's pretty much is Syracuse and UConn in the Northeast that really matter across any sport it's not football this football program as I was discussing with Papa Elge yesterday is here solely to fund the other programs and I'm sure Syracuse paid UConn quite a bit to go there and beat them (laughs) Yeah, and this schedule this year, again, it's going to be fun, you know, even if they do lose some of these games, because generally, I think, and this is the last we'll get into too much college football, because yesterday was amazing, but generally, Jim Moore is a good coach, he's going to, he's turning this the right way, and if you're, you're not going to see a lot of wins, but you're going to see very competitive losses, and at the end of the day, that is what it is, but our, our next two games are a couple of big payouts here. We go to Michigan tomorrow, next weekend, and then to NC State the weekend after that. 
then after that, you you also get um, home against BC, home against Liberty, and at Army as payouts as well later this year. Nice. Love it. That is, you know, for a team like UConn, they're doing the right thing with that schedule. Know thyself, Brandon. Speaking of people who know themselves, Big Al knows something about himself. It's that he hits dingers. LJ Albert Pujols hit um, number 697 today to pass A-Rod. He is now in sole possession of number four all-time on the home run list. Um, Most ever by a right-handed hitter now as Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds were all left-handed hitters. Um, uh, I, I actually, sorry, no, that is wrong. Hank Aaron was a righty. Why was I thinking he's a lefty? Okay, not most by right, second most by right-handed hitter ever. However, you can make the argument that Pujols is the greatest right-handed hitter ever, and I feel like people would, it's, it's either him yeah, or Hank Aaron. I still would side with Hank. Okay. I, I'm a big fan of what Hank has done, even though I didn't get to see it. It's a, one of those guys I wish I could because everywhere around it just the numbers continue to amaze you. But you're right. Once I think once you get into the top 10 guys in the sport, no one's going to give you that hard a time if you talk about them being the best ever. It's not like the NBA where it's like... Michael Jordan's clearly the GOAT and everyone else is just kind of chasing regardless of how you look at it there's there's really only two or three answers like maybe three but like two answers for who the goat is if you want to yeah. throw if you want to throw kareem in there you I, I i think i think that's a solid argument with if you're looking at full full body of work but the only answer that's wrong is will chamber yes i can agree with that if anyone has him like in their top four i think you're kind of tripping but um look here's the thing with albert and with baseball in general, in a game that's so like the difference between a 200 and a 300 batting average is just 10%, right? So it's like you're really good grasping at straws when you're trying to debate and like make these top 100 lists, top 10 lists, whatever kind of lists. Um, just appreciate their greatness, appreciate Albert Pujols. Um, LJ, now 17 homers on the year. Actually, I don't know if baseball reference is updated yet. He had 17 last year, so another great season. The dude just still mashes left-handed pitching, um, and, and that's been kind of the thing with him. You're looking at, LJ, 102 at-bats versus left-handed pitchers this year, a 1.18 OPS. A 169 OPS plus first left-handed pitching. I mean, he legitimately rakes versus lefties, and he's 42 years old. He's three away from uh 700. And and let me just say right now, he's gonna get there because this is kind of the way Albert works, or at least has this season, is it's his hot streaks are ridiculous. I have a feeling he's going to hit at least two more this week, and then he's going to have like two full weeks to get one. That that's very doable. Like he could hit two more in the next two days, and I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. He's been so good. Um, 
over these last few few weeks really just really turned it on and in a time where the cardinals uh they could definitely use it because lj as of right now they would be that worst division winner in the nl and look i do i think that they're gonna have a better record than the mets or the braves no i think they are gonna end up being the worst division winner out of the national league and unfortunately be stuck in the wild card series but we saw what the cardinals did last september i mean how many wins in a row was it it was something crazy this is a team that just has so much talent Tommy Edmond, you're talking a six-war season on baseball reference from Tommy Edmond. Probably the least talked about six-war season I've seen in a really long time. Uh, dude is just absolutely being a beast right now. You add in the fact that you have the MVP and Paul Goldschmidt on your team. You have the guy who's going to finish second or third in NL MVP and Nolan Arenado. Um, you reasonably have, let's, let's go this way. There's a world where you could have three top five MVP finishers. Right. And you, can you give know, Tommy Edmond that case. It I would not argue against that. And there there's certainly a case for, for a Tommy Edmond there. But look, this is about Albert Pujols. Him getting hot right now, him about to hit 700 and with the Cardinals in the position that they're in, it it can only be a positive for, for everyone involved here. Can I make a counterpoint just for the sake of discussion about this all? And I don't mean to absolutely because this is just something I realized. It hit me when I was driving back to school today. The number doesn't matter to me anymore. Like, are you particularly amazed by six ninety seven? Like, yes. it, it, I mean, yes, but no, because for me, it almost feels like the. The, these career stats, these counting stats, which, mind you, are the thing that most Hall of Fame cases are counted on, it's hard for me to really wrap my head around 697 home runs. It really is. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. And further, I don't look to a stat that I can't wrap my head around to decide whether a guy is good. I don't look to Hank Aaron and say, oh, he's got 700 home runs. He must be really good. No, I look at all these incredible seasons he had before he got to the 700. Right. I don't look at the longevity of it. I look at the iconic moments, the iconic stretches of a guy's career. These guys aren't put into the great conversation because of their counting stats. They're put there because of their greatness in the big moments, the things that made them stars led to the counting stats, not the counting stats leading to the stars. So are we really looking in the right spot for our Hall of Fame cases these days? I don't think so. It is an absolutely great point. And, you know, when you talk about iconic moments, I think my favorite, maybe baseball clip ever, I'd be willing to put that up there. Uh, game five of the 2005 NLCS, Cardinals versus Astros. And Albert Pujols takes Brad Lidge, who at the time was the best closer in the league. It was not close. The dude was so shut down um, in 2004, all through 2005. He hits a mammoth 
three-run home run in Houston over the train tracks, and you read some comments on that YouTube video, you read about that specific home run, some people say that it was so quiet in the stadium after Pujols hit that home run that the crowd was so shocked. You could hear his cleats hitting the dirt as he was rounding the bases. If if that doesn't give you chills and just like go watch the home run, I get chills every single time I watch it. It is. Look, Pujols saved the Cardinals season right there. They don't end up winning the World Series that year, but that's besides the point. They don't even end up making the World Series that year, but that's not the point, LJ. The point is that specific moment in that time, the Astros fans genuinely were more distraught than maybe any fan base had been at, at a certain time period. I'm restraining myself from making any Jose Altuve comments, but you're right. It wasn't a Yankee stadium is the thing. That's yeah, true. Um, that, that Those do seem eerily similar though, don't they? Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. I don't know why that was the first place my mind went. But Brandon, we do have a couple more things on the docket here. Yeah. Not to take too much, not to take, not taking credit away from Albert, but big gal. I'm, I'm penciling in the fact that Al is going to have a few more headlines this season. Uh, yeah, I would be willing to bet on that. Well, LJ, we've got some rule changes to talk about. There will be a pitch clock. They will be limiting Woo. defensive shifts. Woo. There will be a limited number of pickoffs. And there will be larger bases for the 2023 MLB season. Uh, I'll run through each thing real quick. Pitch timer will be in place. Pitcher must begin his motion before the expiration of the timer. 15 seconds between pitches when the bases are empty and up to 20 seconds with at least one runner on base. You may step off the runner or a step off the rubber twice per plate appearance without penalty. Any subsequent stepping off the rubber will be a balk unless you record an out on the runner. So you can keep picking off. So let's say you pick off twice. You can pick off a third time, but if you don't get them out, it's a balk, um, which is interesting. Um, how about this one? The hitter has to be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher. So I'm assuming ready to hit the ball with at least eight seconds remaining. And a hitter can only take one timeout per plate appearance. Overall, I am a big fan of this pitch clock. It's going to speed the game up. When you're talking about, you know, things to implement in the game that's going to make it more watchable, more entertaining, this is probably number one, right? Easily. Because, you know, we talk about, like, this is the way it's always been. First off, this game has had bigger rule changes put in place over the years. It's just there hasn't been anything significant in the last 75 years, so no one thinks the game ever changes or the game ever could change and evolve. Every single sport that we know changes in some way, shape, or form to help it grow and evolve, and this is the next step 
especially seeing there are so many guys, even in the game today, that flat out abuse the amount, the lack of timing, the lack of clock in the game gets absolutely abused by some of these guys, particularly the relievers. Um, no, this is 100% the right way to go. An interesting thing to look at, though, I forget where the study was that I saw, but someone did a study on it. Relievers became less effective with the pitch clock. Relievers in particular are hurt by the pitch clock because the reliever, their job is to go out there and use all of their energy, all the energy that they have, you know, one inning burst or a two inning burst. So they're not holding anything back. With the pitch clock, they get less time to slow their heart rate down and catch their breath. Like that's what half these guys are doing is they get themselves all worked up with those singular throws. They go back they fully reset themselves and then they throw another hundred mile heater down the pipe. Well, they saw decrease in velocity after about eight pitches, six to eight pitches mm. from guys because they didn't have the same type of time to catch their breath in between pitchers, between batters, or in between pitches, I should say. So that's something interesting to work, watch out for. Not necessarily that it's going to hurt the game, because I don't think at the end of the day it's going to make, like, it's going to make the game more fun, more offense, more everything. I don't think that I have a problem with that. What I think will be more interesting is seeing how teams adjust to that knowledge because it takes a position that I still stand by the fact that you need a standout closer. But I think past the closer, we're going to start to see more and more devaluing of the reliever where you're not going to be willing to give guys long contracts. You're not going to be willing to give guys the same value contracts that, that they're getting even now because their effectiveness will decrease in addition to their value rapidly as our understanding of it is decreases. Well, the second rule, big rule at least, is the is the defensive shift restrictions. Um two infielders must be positioned on each side of second base when the pitch is released. Uh, all four infielders must have both feet within the outer boundary of the infield when the pitcher's on the rubber. And infielders are not allowed to switch sides unless there's a substitution. Uh, the key stat that they put with this, defensive alignments that feature four players in the outfield. And um, so that also counts when they do like, the second baseman standing in like short right field. This is not just the straight up four outfielders, but just four players on the outfield grass that increased nearly six times across the MLB since the start of the 2018 season. Um, if I'm a guy like Freddie Freeman or Joey Gallo or something, I mean, I'm loving this. Like, sure, you can still like, cause I know LJ is definitely gonna bring up the point, like how you can still do some shifts. Like you can have them standing right by second base, have them shifted over more, but it's, you're still gonna, uh, I still feel like offense is going to go up. I mean, there's, there's gonna be way more balls in play. Um, look, teams are still gonna be smart. They're gonna figure out what the, what the new way to, to shift is, but I, I've never really been a fan of getting rid of the shift. I just feel like if if you want teams 
teams should be allowed to put their players wherever. But if it's going to make for a more entertaining game, I'm all for it. I mean, especially at this point where this seems like there's so many people that are losing touch with the MLB and just not interested anymore. Um, you need I, more highlights is what you're trying to get at. Because that's, yeah. the way, that's why the way everything is consumed now is bite-sized pieces. And the shift provides no highlights. What provides highlights are balls in play and great defensive plays. And base running. Yes, and base running, which we'll get to in a second. But you don't see great defensive plays when everyone's on the same side of the infield. You see it when you're di- you've got guys diving around the infields to get to the places with, that they're not as rangy. I will, again, I've said this, I, don't, I think I've said this before on this show. Um, if not, it's definitely been on big three that I've made this pitch. And it's my counter to the whole team should be able to do it. It was within the rules. First off, rules do change, as we just said. Second, baseball is the only major sport. It's the only, actually, frankly, it's the only sport I can think of where the team that holds possession is not restricted in what they can do. Basketball. Cricket, maybe. Great, because cricket's, you know, in part byproduct, you know, the game. Oh, baseball, yeah. Yeah, so so similar. So, all right, throw cricket aside. Basketball, you've got your shot clock and you've got your uh, five seconds in the paint. Soccer, you have offsides. Hockey, you have offsides. Bowling, you can't go past the foul line. Um, Tennis, you can't go past a certain line. You have yep. to keep the ball within a certain part on the court. Um Football, you only have certain formations that you can use as an offense. There's only certain ways to line up that are valid. Baseball's been behind the eight ball on this because it does it gives ju- them an unfair advantage. Just because the team that holds possession in this case is the defense and not the offense doesn't make it any different. And yeah, again, I don't want to be a broken record with it, but that's just no. That's it's a great point. It, it, it's a great point. Uh, a- absolutely. Um. And speaking of base running, there is going to be larger Wait, bases. Oh, actually, sorry. I had one more point on that. Yes, that sir. was brought to my attention the other day. The next evolution in these rule changes. And I kind of hate to see it, but it's going to end up being necessary. Detailing how fields have to be managed. Okay. Because... There's one big loophole in that. I am all for the not having four people on the grass. That's that's honestly the shift that gives me the biggest issue. I think if you had three guys on the same side of the infield all touching the dirt, it's not as effective as having that fourth outfielder effectively. Oh, so, I agree. I agree. Overall, that's the biggest issue for me. So I'm thrilled that it's gone. However, the loophole that they figured that someone found is the fact that there is no restrictions on how you set up your field as long as the bases are in the right spots in Major League Baseball. So some team, most likely Tampa Bay, will by next season probably take out a huge, or in a few years, take out a chunk of their outfield. I'm being dead serious. Why not expand your infield? It might only be like five feet. Like it might be barely noticeable, but that five feet, Makes you know, a difference. Ball is like, a game of inches. How many times do you hear that? Yeah, and if you have, especially if you have 
middle infielders with a good arm. If your left fielder feels you could, or his left fielder, yeah, it'll be with the left fielder at that point. If your shortstop feels like he can make a couple more feet regularly, why wouldn't you cut your grass back? And so all of a sudden you're just going to see bigger infields and it's going to, you know, that's going to take away from hits as well. But in the end of the day, even that will be better than the shift. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, I'm just interested to see what these like lefty pull guys, how, how their stats end up. I really feel like some guys are going to see a huge jump up in their stats. And when you talk about fantasy baseball and stuff like that, it could be a very uh, interesting thing to be looking at. Um, there will be bigger bases. They're increasing from 15, from a 15 inch square to an 18 inch square. Um, the key stat behind this base related injuries decreased by 13.5% in the minor leagues this season. And they were using the larger bases. This reduces the distance between first and second and between second and third base by about four and a half inches is what this says. Um, this says thereby encouraging offensive clubs to attempt to steal bases more frequently and generally be generally to be more aggressive on the base paths. I, I don't buy that, that just because the base is oh. three inches bigger. Teams are going to be more aggressive on the base path. I, I wholeheartedly disagree. Brandon, how many, how many stolen base attempts have you seen be a matter of inches? There's quite a few. Yeah, but the close plays, but there's, there's still going to be close plays. It's not like the close plays are gone. The close plays not, are going to be different now. It's Let's not going to be close. It's not that there's not going to be close plays. There will always be close plays. The close plays now wouldn't have been close plays before. And some of the close plays now aren't going to be close. I mean, sure. Or like two it, inches, it really saying think... five feet is not not big deal for fielding. Two inches in terms of base running isn't that big it is is a lot bigger deal than you it looks as well uh, uh, no i i know i just and you couple that with the fact that you're only going to be able to penalty free throw over twice both of those in tandem are going to increase base running increase those highlights and i think it's great no i mean i i think that like i'm not against the the bigger bases i mean if if injuries are really down that much um says declines at every level of the minors where they tested this i mean i'm totally for it i'm i mean i would i'm i'm for anything that's going to prevent injuries especially as a yankees fan um i think we're burying the lead with this yeah that's right um we're burying the lead here okay manny machado is going to have to shift his his running line three inches to the left going for to first base if he's going to step step on anyone else's angles very true go three inches farther now i'm not saying it's not going to happen he's just going to have to go far he's going to have to work harder at this well overall we can say that these three rule changes pitch clock limits on defensive shifting and larger bases will make the game more entertaining and the product you'll be seeing in 2023 is the is the best that the MLB can put out there, or is at least better than it, it is right now? So you're saying, Brandon, that you'd be you're excited for this shift? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Very excited for the shift. Very excited. All right, let's move on to some other shift. We do have another um, non-like game thing to talk about, and that is what ended up being the biggest holdup of the lockout. Um, why we were under lockout was so long because they couldn't figure out this stupid bonus pool for pre-arbitration players. Not that it's stupid, but just the, the fact that, that they were hung up. It open. is stupid, though, as we're going to get into in a second. <laughs> so, LJ, MLB teams received a memo on Thursday that outlines the parameters for the newly created pre-arbitration bonus pool, breaking down payouts based both on awards voting and a new MLB slash MLBPA jointly created version of wins above replacement or war. Here is how this pool will be divided. LJ, the most straightforward path to get a portion of this pool is award voting. Rookie of the year, Cy Young, MVP, as well as the all MLB team, um, which was created by the MLB back in 2019. If you qualify for two or more awards-based bonuses, you receive the higher of the two bonuses, not both. Here are what the bonuses are. Rookie of the year, $750,000 for first place, $500,000 for second place. MVP and Cy Young, $2.5 million for first place, $1.75 for second place, $1.5 for third place, $1 million for fourth or fifth place. All MLB team, $1 million for first team, $500,000 for second team. Whatever remains of that $50 million pool will be divided on a percentage basis among the top 100 players based on that MLB slash MLBPA created version of war. Um, to put another way, Let's say the total war of that 100-player group is 250, a 2.5 war player, so that's 1% of the total war of the group, would get 1% of the remainder of the pool. Um, important to note that right now, Sean Murphy leads all pre-arbitration players in the MLB slash MLBPA version of war. And also, it is very important to note that just because you sign a contract, an extension, you are still eligible until your pre-arb years are done. So Jordan Alvarez still qualifies to receive a bonus despite that six-year extension he signed in June. Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris, obviously both signed long-term deals this summer can receive payouts, LJ, not only in 2022, but also in 2023 and in 2024. So it is all based on service time. Your contract does not matter. So a guy like Wander Franco, he would be able to receive, I don't know when his pre-arb time is done, but I would assume- time would be done next after next year. Okay, so for this year and next oh, two year- years, two years. And, you know, it's like, I I think I I like that they're going to give these pre-arb guys more money um, just because, yes, they, they do get paid nothing. The teams choose to basically pay them the minimum 
Um, I love that. What I don't like is that you're letting these guys that are, are making millions and millions and millions and huge extensions, why can they also get these awards? Like, I get, yes, they are still pre-yard players, but LJ, doesn't that kind of defeat the whole purpose of this system? Yes, and, you know, the counter to this is how do you make the rule fair then? I struggled with it for a minute, but I think this is the best way to go about it. If your contract exceeds the length of your service time, ARB service time, so if you have a contract that passes through your six years, you are not eligible. Because what that takes away is that takes away the guys who signed their big money extensions, like their big, big deals, as well as the guys who signed the team-friendly long-term guaranteed money deals because they already got the purpose of this. They got the financial security. This is for people who don't have the financial security. I won't take that. What I don't want to take this away from is the guy who he's a rookie and he signs a five-year deal, one million because, oh, you know, you know, we do see that where it's, whether it's a matter of good faith dealing or whatever you want to call it. If a guy signs up years less than his service time i don't think he's necessarily like that's such a short contract that i don't count that as you know long-term security and long-term viability contract so if you have a contract that doesn't get gets you through less than your six years of service i'm okay with it at that point you know any anyone past that you are completely defeating the purpose of this this uh rule you're right on it with that Well, other than that, I really don't have any thoughts on this. Um, nice to see that they finally got this figured out um, and that they're going to be able to award some guys money um, for the 2022 season. Um, it now makes award voting much more important. Um, and let's hope that the voters are actually watching games and not just looking at stats because – Seems like that happens a little too often. Um, and with that being said, I think that also requires we should be demanding more of the voter voter base as well. You know, this is something we talked about a while ago. Transparency, especially with Hall of Fame, needs to be greater. If I had a vote, I wish I did. If I did, you know, I think there is good reason to not just post your own ballot, but each of those guys, I think, genuinely should have like a full-on article written. And oh, some do. There is some oh, guys. Some that... I think every single one should, in an article in detail, defending each and every decision. Not maybe not necessarily who you left off, but certainly who you put on needs to have a decision, a definition, a definitive like reasoning made. And I think that's going to have to. My expectations for that are going to extend to this as well now because so much is riding on this where it wasn't before. Brandon, we have some game-related news. We do. The L.A. Dodgers are the first team to clinch a playoff spot uh, officially. They could lose um, the remaining half-running game. They have 23 games left. They could lose all 23, still make the playoffs. Um, yeah, you know, first of many. Houston is very close to clinching. Uh, the Mets are extremely close to clinching along with the Braves. Um, 
yeah, you know, this can be seen, you know, the Dodgers are at 96 wins, 23 games left. They would have to win 20 out of 23 to to tie the Mariners record. Um, I, th- I think they can win 15 of these next 23, and that would put them at, if I can do math, 111, which is still fantastic. I want to see how many the 2018 Red Sox won, because I know that they were, they won 108. Okay. Um, LJ, I don't think it's unrealistic to think the Dodgers could get to 110 wins. I disagree. Okay. You think it's going to be a rough 23 games? I, if it's not a rough 23 games, it's going to be a really rough postseason. I just, I get very skeptical with teams that don't have anything to play for down the stretch. You know, okay. in the 2018 Red Sox, I will definitively say were an anomaly, even though they did, they clinched around something like the 15th or the 17th. I want to say they clinched a couple weeks early, that, mm-hmm. but they still had that that chip on their shoulder, that target on their back. I even most people didn't understand what they were watching with that 2018 Red Sox team because there was always this constant nagging question of were they actually better than the Yankees? Could they actually go out and beat the Yankees? Could they go out and win a playoff series? Period. Because that group hadn't done it before. The, this team doesn't seem to be having those question marks. They don't have that same edge to play for and to play with. So that's going to be trouble for them going forward, I think, because there's almost all of a sudden no real concrete expectations or energy to the rest of the season. The bigger thing to me isn't necessarily the fact that they've already clinched a playoff spot. Brandon, they're three games away from clinching their division. Yeah. Right now. And no one else is even close to that. So whether other than maybe Houston. Uh Houston, 12 games. Wow. Are you that unless I'm reading this wrong? Yeah, I I'm I'm on a couple like websites. I I have no idea how to read these magic numbers. I'm either way. Either way, I it's clear here. Yeah, the Dodgers are six games have six are six games better than Houston, and Seattle's two games better than San Diego. So, like that that about makes the math. Um, yeah. So there, no one else is close to what he what they're doing right now, and they're gonna win. They're gonna win their division first, and all of a sudden they're gonna be sitting here for two weeks, even more now that they have a bot. That is a lot of time on a team's hands, even if they do have a good manager who can keep them focused. This feels like it's going to spell trouble for the Dodgers when it comes to the end of the year. Well, LJ, Sunday night in the books. We've got power rankings tomorrow. Anything else you want to add? No, it sounds like there's a very rowdy game of darts going on out in the common room. So I should probably be letting you go before this rowdiness splits into the uh, podcast pretty soon. But great talking to you, Brandon. Absolutely. You as well. Thank you for listening. Check us out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, get MLB Daily Pod. We'll see you. See you manana.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.